Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to come hang out with us on October 26th at Keith Middle School for a night of worship. Our worship team will be releasing their first EP entitled Fearless, and we'd love for you to join us for an experience like never before. Doors open at 7.30 p.m. We'll see you there. If you have your Bibles, we're going to continue the, the pattern of prayer we began last Sunday. We're looking at the pattern that Jesus gave us that we call the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read it together, and then we're going to focus on the second part of this prayer. Last week, we, we broke down the first part, which is, which is, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. And give us this day our daily bread. Now, we're going to cover the second part of this. Like I told you last week, Jesus didn't give us this model to what to pray. He gave us this model of how to pray, right? And so we gave you five things last week, and I'm gonna, we're going to wrap it up this week with another five. And, and this second part is a very reflective part of prayer. And, I, and I'm praying that, that, that the Lord will do some powerful things in your lives this morning. But the second part of this says this. And we can read it together. You, you know it, but this is a modern translation of it. It says in verse 12, And forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Can you say amen? So there's a part of prayer that's, requires reflection. It, ref- it requires authenticity. It requires us being honest with the Lord about some things. And then when we do that, there's a cleansing that takes place in our souls. How many of you know we need cleansing? We need purging. We need purification. Life could throw a lot of things at you. And you could become weighed down by stuff. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you are weary and heavy laden. I want to give you rest for your souls. I think more than ever, we need rest for our souls. Can you say amen? And so, th- this reflective part starts with cleansing. Forgive us our sins. Church, it's important. Spiritually speaking, we must clean house once in a while. It's very important that I ask the Lord to search my heart. A great prayer in Scripture says, Search my heart, O God. Know my thoughts. See if there's anything in me that offends you and lead me down the path of everlasting life. See, it's important to confess to God because God doesn't want you to carry any weight, unnecessary weight in your life. Matter of fact, God doesn't want you to feel guilty. See, guilty, the feeling of of guilt is a good thing when you take it to God. In other words, the feeling of guilt is what reminds you of the forgiveness that's available to you. The point of guilt is is not to stay guilty. The point of guilt is to go to who the person that can set you free from your guilt. There's too many people carrying guilt around for no reason because they haven't gone to God. And get the freedom that Jesus said, I came to set you free from every guilt. See, God wants you to feel free. 
And you're one prayer away from freedom when you confess. Let me put it this way. It's important to take out spiritual garbage. We do it every day in our house, physically. I think it's important to take an inventory in our souls to say, what are the garbage I need to take out this week? Can you say amen? Interesting thing is that God already knows our garbage. We walk around like you don't know. Right? Like, like, remember we talked about Adam? Adam, where are you? God knew what Adam was. God was trying to give him a chance. Hey, you want to talk about this? And I love what he said through his prophet Isaiah. He says, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about it. God is not ashamed of you. God is not, you know, surprised. He's not going, O-M-G. Did you see what Sally just did? There's a Sally in the house. God bless you. There is. I'm trying to find names that maybe I don't know. Did you see what Muhammad did? I can't say that. That's politically incorrect. But God knows. He wants you to own it. Right? I told you, I've been learning so much about prayer life by being a parent. We want our children to be honest, to be authentic, to be genuine. Right? And one of the greatest things we have to teach our kids is to own up to things. Right? If you're wondering if sin is real, you, you, you haven't had children yet. Who taught your two-year-old to lie? Right? If you ever had that moment, you're like, you little sinner. Where did you learn that? Like, how is it that a three-year-old knows how to press blame? Oh, it was me. Right? Yesterday, I had one of those moments with my two-year-old. He, he, he dropped the remote on purpose. He literally dropped the remote on purpose. Like, you got to pick it up. He's just looking at me like, pick it up. So I spanked the little hand. It's like, pick it up. He's still like, I'm like, that's the sinful nature. The rebellious spirit is in him. Like, I didn't teach him that. His mom didn't teach him that. You knucklehead, you need Jesus right now. <laughs> it's in all of us, isn't it? Right? It's in all of us. But there's such a freedom when we confess. And we want our children to be honest. And I think God wants us to be honest. God wants us to be real and genuine back to him. You see, here's the reality. God forgives instantly. God forgives freely. God forgives completely. And God forgives permanently. That's the grace of God. You see, if we want to clap, we should clap together. We're one prayer away from forgiveness. We carry things we're not meant to carry. I want to show you a couple of examples from scriptures of how this is so available to all of us. John, one of the disciples of Jesus, said this in his book that he wrote. He said, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Did you catch that? But if we, if, you see a lot, of, a lot of God's principles have if attached to it. In other words, if you do your part, I've already done my part. You know what's amazing about the forgiveness of God? God already forgave you. Question is, are you going to accept the forgiveness 
that God's already forgiven you. Like God's not thinking about forgiving you. How do we know that? Because, because the cross is a done deal. Jesus is not going to die on the cross again. He's already died on the cross. And so forgiveness is already available to us. It's not a matter of, if, can God forgive me? No, God has already forgiven you. Can you embrace his forgiveness and live in his forgiveness and live in the freedom that he allows to you? Because there's a side of you who somehow thinks he or she needs to pay for your own sins. We all feel like somehow we need to like earn it. But how do you mean you know grace is a gift? You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can only accept it. Right? And so when you come to God, there's nothing, there's no exchange here. The only exchange is I'm giving you my garbage for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. Can you say amen? You know, uh, King David, one of my favorite guys in scriptures, did a lot of reflection on forgiveness. And he wrote this in Psalm 32. He said, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. See, I want to stop right there. When you don't confess you are carrying unnecessary weight. You know how many people, you see them every day, they look heavy? Because they are heavy. Not physically, they're heavy spiritually because they're carrying stuff they're not supposed to be carrying. And David experienced this. He said, man, when I didn't confess my sin, I feel like inwardly I was wasting away. You ever felt that way? You just feel like something is wrong, not in a physical sense, but in an emotional, spiritual sense? You got to release it to the Lord. And I groan all day long. You can go to the next slide. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. You see, God won't let go until you let go. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Can you say amen? Man. So there is a part of praying, church, that is cleansing. And that's, a, that's something that needs to be part of our lives on a regular basis. And I believe when you're walking with the Lord, you do it on the go. Sometimes you say something you shouldn't say on the go. The Holy Spirit says, that wasn't for me. You're like, my bad. Sometimes it's as easy as that, but sometimes there are things that we need to sit with the Lord with, depending on what we're dealing with in life. Can you say amen? Jesus goes on to say, as we forgive those who sin against us. So this is the part of release in prayer. Now, this is the most challenging part of prayer. Because he's saying, I want you to forgive others just I have forgiven you. This is the only part, catch this, only part of prayer that comes with a condition. God has unconditional love for you, but he said if you don't forgive, then you're blocking the forgiveness for yourself. 
It's the only thing that God has put a, a, a condition on when it comes to prayer. He says, forgive those who sin against you. This is the hardest part of prayer. How in the world should I forgive those who hurt me? How do you forgive someone who abused you? How do you forgive someone who let you down? How do you forgive someone who blatantly did something to disappoint you? It's not fair, is it? And if you're thinking it's not fair, you're right. It's not. Forgiveness is not about fairness. Forgiveness is about grace. Think about it. If you got what you deserve, you wouldn't get grace. This is the moment we have to remember that God has forgiven us. And he's saying, I want you to reciprocate what I've done for you. And if you don't do that, you block the grace of God from going forward, from blessing somebody else. Scripture tells us this in Ephesians. It says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Obviously, some things are going to be harder to forgive than others. Did you know this? On the cross, on the cross, as he was being crucified, Jesus kept saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you study the original Greek, it says that he kept saying it. Because some things you have to keep releasing to God until you feel completely set free from the thing. So for some of you today, it, it, it might be the beginning of a process of forgiveness. Maybe you, you have some deep, bitter resentment in you, and you need to begin to say, Father, forgive them. And it's best to just be as honest as you can and label that thing and label that person and bring it before the Lord on a regular basis until you feel complete freedom from it. I want to give you an example. I remember in college, I was accused of something very serious, and I know I didn't do it. It's very hard when you know that you didn't do something and, and you have to swallow it. You ever been there? And I remember it was one of the times that I felt the voice of God clearly. I don't always hear God. You know, some people hear God every day. They freak me out. Um, <laughs> God told me, 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 God, God, God. It's like, man, I thought God said to live by faith. Like, you clearly have no faith. Uh, but that's a story for another time. But I remember I hear the Spirit of God clearly say, did you do it? I said, no. He said, then, then leave it. But I got to be honest with you. It took me months to feel completely released from it. And I knew I wasn't free from it because every time I saw the person who accused me of this thing, I would get instantly angry again. I would get angry again. I, would get ang- I could be having a great day and I see that person. It was like my whole day was... Was, was, come on, we're going to be have an honest moment in church today. Can we have an honest moment in church? But I, but I said, I'm going to take the word of God. I'm going to apply it to my life. You know what I did? Every single day, I began to pray for that situation. I began to pray for the, peop- for the person. And I remember, it was about, I don't know, four or five or six months later that I remember seeing that person. I felt nothing but mercy and compassion for that person. And I knew that moment, okay, God has set me free from this. So I don't want this to sound like it's just an easy, cliche thing. It's like, no, some of us are going to do some soul work here 
to be broken free. Maybe you've been abused physically. And that's not an easy thing to let go. By the way, I, I do believe that counseling is part of spiritual healing. I do believe there's nothing wrong with asking for extra help. I believe God set up counselors on purpose. I think it's one of the things that we have available to us. So you never feel embarrassed to ask for help. Because part of growing is learning to be vulnerable and be honest. But here's the thing, church. You are never going to have to forgive anybody more than God has already forgiven you. Someone says, I can never forgive. You know what the Bible says to that? I hope you've never sinned. But he who has no sin cast the first stone. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short. And if you keep reading the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this about it. He said, listen, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's the condition. That's the condition. Father, forgive them, for they know not what you do. See, some of us, we need to take our hurts and bring it to the cross and lay it down at the cross and say, Lord, I want to leave this hurt with you. I want to leave this person with you. I want to leave this abuse with you. I want to leave this struggle with you. I want to live, I want to leave all of this with you, Lord. I want, to, I want to dump all of that because I cannot carry this any longer in my own strength. I don't want to live like this. I don't want my life to be, to be you know, going one way and the moment I see the person, my, my day is ruined. Lord, I want to break the chain of the past and I want to have a clean moment in front of you. Father, forgive him. I asked for this chair all week, Lord. I hope he holds me. <laughs> the next step of reflection, church, he said, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. See, this is where I ask God to guard my heart against the things that are trying to lure me away from him. This is where I need to be honest with myself because we're all unique. We're all different. My temptation may not be your temptation. That's why it's a waste of time to say, how can you struggle with that? It's like, yeah, but how can you struggle with that? So it's not a comparison. It's not a competition. It's the reality that we all have something that tries to lure us away from the will of God. Don't let me go backwards, Lord. Teach me how to refocus. Man, we want to do a lot of clapping today. I thought we were going to do a lot of like soul research today and, and, and deep, you know, thoughts. But, but listen, what is temptation? It, it, I think it's important to define this because it's not just the alert to do something bad. Because sometimes temptation is also not doing the right thing. 
Did you know this? That sometimes your temp- your comfort is your temptation. Sometimes complacency is your temptation. And let me tell you one of the biggest temptations. I was talking to a young man this week. I said, can I tell you a temptation that no one talks about? Familiarity is the biggest temptation. You can become so familiar with church, for example, that you miss the point of it. You become so familiar with your marriage that you stop investing in it. You become so familiar with your children that you stop to actually appreciate them. Familiarity is a temptation. We have to fight familiarity on a regular basis if we're going to live our lives to the fullest. Can you say amen? But I want to I highlight the, the side of temptation that a lot of times I think is overlooked. You can go to my next slide. Listen, the, there's a temptation of doing what's easy instead of doing what's right. We all face the temptation of doing only what's just best for me. The philosophy of our day is, do you. But I don't know about you, but God didn't say, do you. How about the temptation of doing what's unimportant? You know how many people are wasting their lives every day doing things who don't matter? See, we all need to relax. We need leisure. But I mean, you know, people are living a life of leisure and no importance at all. Well, how many know one of the greatest idols of our day is entertainment? On your phone, it's on Netflix, you can get it. You can, you can, you can escape to a world and stay there for a few days binging on something. And come up for air and not realizing that life is happening all around you every day. You have family, you have kids, you have stuff to do. But you're neglecting all your responsibilities because you need to escape. But I mean, you know, if an escape is not going to empower you to do the things that God's called you to do, it's a temptation. Like I said, don't get me wrong, we need leisure. But the Bible makes it clear that you work, but then you rest He didn't say you rest and then you work. (laughs) How about this one, church? The temptation of procrastination. We keep putting off the things we're supposed to be doing. Don't elbow anybody. Yesterday, my wife put me through work. We need to do this. We need to do this. I'm I'm, I'm like, let's do this. And I'm like, while you have me, let's do everything right now. I just want to, like, get it all done. The temptation of procrastination. Some of you, God already told you what you need to do, but you've been sitting on it. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God has already told you, I need you to act on this, but you keep trying to put it off. You Listen, the more you put it off, the bigger the mountain looks. How about this one? The temptation to ignore someone in need. I think most people miss the point of the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus was making a very strong point to those who were religious. He said, you guys missed the point. You know why he used a Samaritan? Because Jews hated Samaritans. 
Do you know the point that he was making there? He said, the guy that you hate the most did the right thing. All of you justified going around this need. But the guy who you despise and say he's not spiritual enough, he's not good enough, he's the one that had enough sense to say, I'm going to do the right thing. And Jesus is like, do you understand what I'm trying to do here? That's why they hated him. Because he poked at their indifference. You know how much easier it is to just look at the guy that, that is trying to raise money on the street and just say, that's a bum? How much easier it is to be indifferent to that than to actually engage him and see how can I help you today? You know how much easier it is to say, yeah, but I know what he's going to do with the money. I know what he's going to do. I know what he's going to do. Like we're God. Like we know everybody's heart. We know everybody's emotions. We know everybody's feelings. We know everybody's motives. We know everybody's intentions. You know? Church, that's scary. That we judge people by just looking at them. And that's the greatest sin, is a sin of indifference. The Bible says if you know how to do something, you don't do it, you're sinning. Right? Because a lot of times we just equate sin with, you know, drugs and alcohol and this and that. But it's like, how many people don't drink, don't smoke, but don't help anybody? I don't want us to be that kind of church. I want us to be the kind of church that says there's a need. I want to be, listen, I want to be an answer to someone's prayer today. Sometimes we're praying for people to answer, but God's like, how about you be the answer to that guy's need right now? Because here's the reality. How do we serve God? How do you actually serve God? It's by serving people. That's how you serve God. Some people have this romantic idea of what it means to serve God. I always tell people, look, there's, the, there's the romantic idea of church, and then there's the reality of church. The romantic idea of church is I'm going to go to a place, I'm going to feel goosebumps, it's going to be awesome, I don't have to do it, I just came to hang out. But the reality of church is, no, we live in a messy world with messy people. There's going to be messy situations. But guess what? God loves to turn mess into messages if all of us can be a part of it. That's what we mean when we say, put me in, coach. Because anyone can play a game from the sidelines. Anyone can tell you what Brady should have done. But how many people have been out of the huddle and have split of a second to make a decision? Lead us not into temptation of indifference. Amen. I pray for the power to do the right things, not just to avoid bad things. I'm not a fan of the defensive Christianity. I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't think that's what God cares about. I think God cares about what are you doing right because too many people play on def- they play defense. Well, I'm a good person. I don't do anything wrong. Yeah, but what do you do right? Because if you're focused on doing right, then you don't have time to do wrong. <laughs> That's the reality. He goes on to say, deliver us from evil. There's evil all around us. And if we're honest, there's evil within us. 
There's a, there's a wrestling match that goes on inside of us every day. Isn't it true? So I, I depend on God's power. When you are under attack, do you trust God? Or do you try to wild out on your own? See, all of us are in a battle. The question is, how are you going to fight it? The Bible says you can fight it the way everybody fights it. It's pointing fingers. It's blaming. It's, it's trying to get ahead. Or you can fight with spiritual weapons. The prayer of deliverance is available to all of us. Can I tell you how the prayer of deliverance looks like sometimes? It's just to say, help! Drown in here! The disciples on the boat with Jesus, they're like, yo, wake up! Did you see? The storm is going to overtake us. It's amazing that Jesus was on the boat with the storm where he was sleeping. Sometimes it feels like that, right? God, you must be sleeping! But I mean, you know, he was sleeping, but he was like, I'm just one prayer away. What did he do? He woke up and said, chill. That's the prayer of deliverance, I'm telling you. Learn to call out to God and watch him say, chill. Stress, chill. Worry, chill. Frustration, chill. Addiction, chill. He pushes back the darkness away from you when you call on him. Your back is against the wall. It feels like everything's conspired against you. That's a great time to call on the Lord. And he ends by saying, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that's the prayer of victory, my friends. You see, when you understand that God is your father and he can't fail, you begin with victory and you end with victory. I praise God for the ultimate victory. You know why? Because at the end of the day, right, we read the last chapter in this book, and he tells us that we're going to win, that victory is ours, that no weapon formed against the God's people is going to prosper, that God already wrote history. We're just riding the wave of history. And so sometimes it may look like evil is winning. Believe me, it's just an illusion. It's not the end of the story. You may lose a battle, but you're not going to lose the war. I love that the prayer starts with giving God glory and it ends with giving God glory. Because here's what we need to catch when we pray. And this is as I end. Here's what we need to catch, my friends. The ultimate aim of prayer is that God is glorified. And the purpose of prayer is not to convince God. Please catch this. The purpose of prayer is to conform me to his plans and his purpose. That when I am yielded to his will, to his plan, to his purpose, that's when God's blessing overflows and overwhelms my life. As long as we insist on making God fit our plans, we're going to be frustrated. But when we yield ourselves to God's plan, we're going to be blessed. And I end with this scripture. I love this. This is, this is on, your, on your card for this week. I hope you've been reflecting on these verses every day and get closer to God. But look, not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. 
Can you say amen? You see, my friends, when you live your life for the glory of God, there's nothing that God won't do for you. There's nothing that God won't do for you. Pastor Steve always told us, if you take care of God's house, God will always take care of your house. Every time, he's faithful to do so because he cannot deny himself. But the key is, I have to understand it's about him. It's not about me. I am second in the story. He's number one. You know why most relationships don't work? Everybody's still looking for number one. You should be looking for number two. God is already number one. So if you're looking for number two, you got the right perspective. So this is a model given to us to pray. And today we're going to have communion. You see, communion is God's invitation to all of us to come to his table. All of us are invited to the table. There should be a communion cup next to you. If there isn't a communion cup next to you, just quietly, just lift your hand. An usher will come and give you a communion cup. Just quietly. I don't want to lose this moment. It's a, it's a holy, powerful, sacred moment here. We're going to have communion. But ushers, just look around and see who needs a cup. There's still some hands up in, in the middle here. See, communion, Jesus said before he went to the cross, he said, listen, I'm going to do this moment with you, and I want you to remember this for the rest of your lives. And he said, I want you to do this often. We, we try not to do it every weekend because we don't like to lose the essence of what he means and the power of it. And so we try to do it every few months. But Jesus said, listen, when you do this, remember what I've done for you. Remember that forgiveness is available to you. Remember that grace is available to you. Remember that I have sacrificed my life on your behalf. Remember that your life has meaning because I have given it meaning. Remember that your life is priceless because I paid the price. Remember that I love you and I'm for you. And remember, too, that, that I'm not just for you. I'm also for your neighbor. And, and, so, and so if you're going to come and participate in this, understand this. This is not just a ritual just to say we did a religious thing. No, this is, this is an experience with the Lord. This is becoming one with Jesus and one with his nature, which is grace and compassion and healing and understanding and love. And it's so important that not to take communion in vain, my friends. It's so important to not take this moment for granted to think, you know, I just did a religious thing. No, listen, it won't mean anything if Jesus is not the Lord of your life. It won't mean anything if you haven't made Jesus the Lord. If you haven't said, Jesus, you're my Savior. I take this because I, I, I'm, I receive your sacrifice. I receive what you've done for me. I know that I cannot save myself. I know that I'm not good enough, but I receive your goodness. I receive your grace. And so I need to do some self-reflection before I take communion to say, am I, am I in tune with what this means? And I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Take a moment. The reason we close our eyes is to look inside and say, Lord, am I, am I where I need to be with you?
If you're not where you need to be with the Lord, this is the time to ask for forgiveness. This is the time to ask Him to purify your soul, to purify your heart. If you need to forgive someone, this is the time to do it. This is the time to ask Him to come into your life, to be the Lord of your life. If if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is the moment. Or if you've been away from Him, this is the moment to say, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I don't want to take your sacrifice for granted. I know how much, or maybe better word is, I don't know, I can't imagine what he went for you to go to the cross. I can't imagine the pain. I can't imagine you taking on the weight of the world for me. But Lord, today I come. I come just as I am. I come and ask you, forgive me. Heal me. Transform me. Redeem me. I believe that your, your blood can cleanse me from all sins. I believe that you are my Savior. You are my God. And I believe today is a day of forgiveness for me, of healing. And I pray right now, Lord, that that you would meet us where we are right now that you would cleanse us where we are right now, that you would purify our souls. Lord, I pray right now that there's a deep, deep work that you're doing in us. Some of us, Lord, we need the strength to forgive those who have hurt us, who have wronged us. God, we know that forgiving them does not mean we forget. But Lord, we want to release from bitterness, from anger, from fear, from frustrations. So Holy Spirit, meet us where we are this morning. We embrace your forgiveness and we pray, Lord, empower us to forgive. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread And gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's see. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink. Would you stand with me? Would you lift your hands to the Lord? The Bible says this. Once you understand what Jesus has done for you, The only thing left to do is to give your lives to him, to be a sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to him, to say, Lord, here's my life. Have your way. Have your way. Lord, we come to surrender our lives to you this morning, and we come to say, Lord, have your way. We don't want to conform to this world. We want to be transformed. So renew us this morning. 
Lord, we come to surrender our lives to you as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. That's our worship, Lord. So have your way in our lives, but also have your way through our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. Come sit in live with us during our weekend services at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. For more info about our church, visit newlifesouthcoast.com.